0: Yo, it's your girl, Anaya, and we are back here with another episode of You're Wrong, Sir. I am super excited about my guest today, Joshua Grady. Um, (laughs) Joshua is somebody who I've developed a relationship with this summer. Um, So he's the founder of Grady Sports Agency and an NFL agent. He's also the host of his own podcast, Agent Talk Podcast. Um, And we developed our relationship through his program, The Agent Academy. Um. So basically the agent Academy is an academy where Joshua is teaching you everything that he's learned um, concerning marketing, contracts, et cetera. And during the um, agent Academy, I was talking to Joshua. He's talking to everybody within the agent Academy. He's like, if you really want to expand, you know, who you are and really kind of build your brand, et cetera, you should start a podcast. So I already had the idea before, like I had the, got into the agent Academy. So basically being a part of the Agent Academy really propelled me to really start um, and looking at Joshua kind of excel with Agent talk. So thank you. Um, and that's just kind of one of my inspirations behind really starting this podcast.
1: I like it. Let's get it. i <laughs> glad, glad to be on here, uh, you know, ready to, you know, whatever value I can bring to the table. You know, just let me know. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah. So before we start anything, you know, we have to shout out our women in sports. And so today, um, on August 3rd, Danny Garcia announced um, her and The Rock actually bought the XFL for $15 million. And so she became, I know, I was like, oh my gosh. So she became the first woman to own a sports league independent from a team. So that's huge.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: And she made, well, I actually, until later that day, I didn't know that she actually bought it with The Rock because she made a tweet, like, when you're equal in ownership, leadership, and investment, but not the headline. So people Mm -hmm. were making it seem as if, like, it was just him who bought it, and it was actually he and her.
1: That's true because when I first saw it, it was like, oh, "Okay, it was all about the Rock, right?" That the Rock was a part yeah. of. Yeah. It. It, it is because I saw the tweet where she was basically saying, "Like, yo, I'm also in this too," you know. Uh, now I think the Rock also came out with a statement thanking her. Like, I honestly, I had never heard of her. I I I had no idea who she was. Me but Then when you read, you read up a little bit, it's like, that's a boss move. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you gotta give some credibility to that. So, you know, I'm rooting for it. I would love, just as an agent off the top, like I would love to have an XFL, another league where, you know, certain guys, you know, maybe need a second opportunity. Younger guys, whatever it might be, uh, I think they're going to do something with it. So I'm excited. It's an opportunity there for sure, you know. So shout out to Danny Garcia. That's her name, right? You said, yeah, that's yeah. her name.
0: It's definitely a big opportunity just because, you know, the season ended really weirdly and abruptly. So giving people the opportunity to come back. But, you know, you talked about seeing, like, you know, you love to maybe represent somebody in the XFL. So do you know when it comes to doing something like that, does your certification change as an Asian or do you have to go through to- something different?
1: That's a good question. So I have not had a, I didn't have a player in the XFL last year. So okay. I'm not entirely sure. I don't believe – If they did have some sort of registration process, it would have been brief, Um, but there might have been one. I'm not sure. I know when the league does get put back, you know, together, I'm going to make sure that I'm on my P's and Q's to, you know, build a network in there just because that's, you know, any opportunity is a good one. And if the Rocks gonna be a part of it, again, you know, it's going to be something. So I'm interested at least to see what happens because he ain't buying it for no reason.
0: Yeah, they definitely got some good ideas coming. It's something up their sleeve.
1: Correct. So, we'll see. They talking about 2021. That's right around the corner. You know, I got two guys right now, really three that's, you know, not on a team. And if there's an XFL, then, you know, we might take a look at that opportunity. So, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea, especially just with the fact that I know the NFL is kind of going through their chaos right now. A lot of people are, you know – opting out of the season, et cetera. So maybe provide a different opportunity, but it'll be interesting to see how they kind of, kind of in a way being competitive with the NFL about how they approach the coronavirus and et cetera, how they bring safety to their players, which is different than how the NFL is approaching it.
1: Correct, for sure. So I, you know, and that's the thing I've been, you know, even talking with some of these college guys, you know, really, we can really get into it. You know, there's so much uncertainty with what else, you know about to transpire. I will say just from talking with my guys that currently in the NFL, I know that the, at least to what our knowledge would be is that the right circumstances and the right, excuse me, better so the right steps are being taken to, you know, maneuver through these circumstances, whether it's in the facility, um, you know, different practices or protocols that they have in the building, on the field, you know, so it's, you know, at least with the NFL now. Now college, you know, it came out today, Colorado State was telling their players, you know, don't report. You know, if you got symptoms or if you potentially had a coronavirus. It's basically saying, you know, let's not tell or they're third yeah. in their playtime. You know, so it's it's still still a learning process for everybody, but I think at least with the NFL, from my knowledge, the right steps are being taken. I
0: hope so. So before we get too deep into talking about everything, um, like I stated earlier, for everybody listening, Joshua is an NFL agent, and he's also a previous college football athlete. Um, So tell us more about your experience. Tell us where you went to school. What position did you play? And then basically talk about like what made you transition from being an athlete and deciding that you wanted to be an agent.
1: So background. So I'm from Tampa, Florida and growing up, I just always played football. Like it was, for me, it was really football and school. Like those are the two things that my parents said to focus on. And just growing up through high school, I went to Armwood, which was just, you know, a national powerhouse. And just growing up, you just see so many guys with a lot of talent, you know, with a lot of talent. And guys that, you know, going to the NFL it's like, then, like that's my school producing this type of thing. You know, and just being from Florida, you see guys all across the state that you see on TV. And they're from right around the corner. And so that's just, you know, peace of interest a little bit. Um, realizing that the NFL isn't that far off because you see so many guys from where you're from going. Go to college, Vanderbilt. Uh, shout out Coach Franklin and got my undergrad there in economics. Really went into vanity more so because I wanted to, like, I'll, when I signed, I said I want to make a 40- to 50-year decision and not a four- to five-year decision. Like, that was the mindset why I went to Vanderbilt, you know, top 20 schools, supposedly, uh, so they say. And, and just going there, you know, getting my undergrad degree, it just showed me a lot. Um, but more importantly, I actually tore my ACL against Texas A&M. And, and really? Doing, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I tore my, we were playing against Texas A&M. This was so. Let me paint the picture. If okay, quick little story, okay, because I can ramble, but like, okay, this is the like, this is but this is like real life, you know what I mean? And this is what I try to tell people is like in this field, at least, and like what I tell y'all, really any field, any career, you know, certain things transpire that you know, you got just like, oh, this has to happen for you to get to where you're trying to get to. And this was like, I was a, I came in as a quarterback, had changed positions, blah, blah. But I kind of finally was at the time where I had the opportunity to prove myself as a quarterback playing against Texas A&M. And long story short, I tore my ACL, LCL, and my hamstring. Whoa.
0: Playing
1: Crazy, right? And I just remember thinking, like, why is this happening to me? Like, why did this happen? Like, this was my shot, right? You know, to to show what I can do when I get hurt. But then looking back, it was like that – then propelled me to end up going to the University of Florida, where I got my master's in sports management, which then propelled me and I actually talked about the agency is, I just kind of saw an example. There's a man named Eugene Parker. Eugene was really the first and most prominent African American agent of all time. Eugene represented Deion Sanders. Uh, Eugene just did things the right way. And he was good friends with my dad. And my dad when, you know, we're trying to figure out what life is going to be like after football, you know, I kind of thought, should I work with the NFLPA? Because I still wanted to be around ball. I had been offered a few college coaching uh, jobs. Uh, coach Franklin at this time was not Penn State. And then coaches at Florida both just kind of taught a little bit, you know, if I wanted to coach, I could coach. But I just didn't want to live that life that they have to, with the hours that they have to put in. So I was like, okay, what can I do? And I ended up going to the NFL draft <clears throat> with Eugene. This was in 2015. This was my graduation present from my dad, so to say.
0: That's a good graduation present.
1: It really was. You know, well, you know, my friends were going you know, on to uh, the beach. Like that's what something at Vanderbilt that they all did. Like all the seniors would go to the beach. I think maybe Panama uh, for like this week, beach week or something like that. But for me, my dad was like, I can take you to the draft in Chicago. And I'm like, I'm at the draft, like, I'm at the draft, you know. And it was just, it really was a life-changing event because you go in, I didn't know nothing about being a sports agent, nothing. Like, I didn't know anything about it. And didn't, like, have a desire really to be one at the time. But being at the draft, like, Eugene represented Dante Fowler at the time, and Dante went number three overall to the Jadwires. And being there, like we were at the draft, you know, like had dinner with Dante and his family right after he just got drafted, number three overall. And just being in that space, you know, with Eugene, with the family, and I had known Dante for a while and his family. It was just like, this is kind of cool. You know, it's kind of cool. Like this was the year James Winston got drafted, Marcus Mariota, a few you know, notable names. It's just like, dang, it's kind of like, this is legitimate. Uh, and so for me, the plan was to actually work with Eugene Uh, you know, when I graduated, so I can, you know, become certified. And unfortunately, Eugene passed away in 2016. And his company just really kind of disbanded. Just, you know, everybody just kind of broke apart when he had passed away. But one thing that stood with me when he died was uh, Deion Sanders had posted a picture on Instagram. And in the picture, it said in his caption, as he was like, Eugene Parker never offered me any money. He just showed me what it took to be a good man and to lead the right life. And Eugene actually, if I'm not mistaken, was the first agent to present a player their Hall of Fame jacket. You know, and it's like like most players, it's your mom, it's your dad, it's a coach maybe, or whatever it might be. But your first, and I believe I'm right on this, but first agent to present the golden jacket to his player.
0: That's powerful. Like,
1: that's the <laughs> pinnacle. Like yeah. that's amazing to me. Like that is amazing. Like he chose you. You know. Like that just speaks of the bond that they had. And so again, you know, just seeing all of that. Long to make a long story short, we got I got certified in 2016, and we started GSA in 2017. And you know we're four years in. We've had a draft pick every year. Um, shout out my guys. You um, know we've signed nine guys overall, and. You know, I just love what I'm doing, you know, being an agent, you know, it's, it's, it's just there's no other career like it. And then even with, you know, having a podcast and marketing, you know, I'm just at a point now where I really just want to give people some value, you know, and that's what it's about. You know, that's why I talked to y'all about starting a podcast. You know, it's really a lot of people. We have dreams and aspirations out here and people got to realize like it's real that you really can like, you know, make something happen. It was hard. You know, you gotta put in the work. And that's one thing I tell people too, is like, oh, you know, a lot of people, you know, even on the Asian Academy, you know, it was 40 people that, you know, took part in this class, right? But then you see come really, you know, week three, week four, who really, you know, wants, who really wants to learn, who's really, you know, being intentional, who's really dedicated to, you know, the fact that, like I told everyone, I told all 40, Start a podcast. Start a podcast right now. I think two, including you. I think two started a podcast. Really? I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, what do you got? Like, you were like, okay. And that's the thing that's about. That's like, I I could go on. That's (laughs) the thing about people, though. You can have someone that you would say, "I want to learn from them." Okay. Like how stu- people were like, okay, I want to learn from Joshua Grady, right? And then you tell them what to do, and they don't do it. Why? Why when I say get now more people did this, but when I say get the athletes are brands to book. Why when I say get this book, don't all forty get the book? Yeah, like that that is a real like that is a real question. When I you had.
0: told when you told me to get the book, I ordered it. The next day, like literally, or like the same day, yeah. I
1: would not. Like that's a, that's something, to, and that's to me that I guess at a basis that's what I try to tell people is like, look, in this field at least, because this is only like I'm in this. This is what I do. I do marketing. I do you know work somewhat in investing. I'm an info agent in this field. All you gotta do is put the pieces together, do stuff that makes sense, and you can. Have a level of success. Now, how successful is really dependent on your definition. But, you know, anybody really could come in here, provide value. It's endless opportunity.
0: I agree totally. So, we're going to talk about just the history that was made in the NFL draft this year. So, for the first time in NFL history, more than half of the players selected in the first round draft were represented by Black agents. Now, before we get into that, you mentioned Eugene Parker earlier. And a majority and many of these um, agents who had these players in the first round, like Nicole and others, talked about Eugene's impact. And so you were under his mentorship and you talked about having that relationship with him and things really kind of not going your way due to his passing. So let's talk more about, you know, when he passed, how did that make you feel, feeling like, you know, I'm going to have this mentor, this person to come and directly show me, you know, step by step what I should do. And now my plan didn't go as accordingly. So kind of how did you move forward to that? And and what truly would you say that he's taught you that you're continuing, like to use right now with the agency?
1: Good questions. Uh, one, so I would say, so just to paint a picture, this is really the impact I had was during, uh, Eugene had so Eugene had cancer. And I went to his meeting. This is really when I found out. Cause I did you know, I had you know, a handful of interactions with him, but we weren't, you know, necessarily on a day-to-day basis. But you know, it's yeah. still like, okay, this is gonna be the guy that's gonna, you know, been around him a few times, you know, planted the seed, you know, especially again talking with him at the NFL draft and really having, you know, just a few, if that's all you really needed, a few moments with him, and it was like, oh, okay, like <laughs> he planted, you know, just to be real. Um, and we were at this meeting, we were meeting actually with Vernon Hargraves. It was me, so Vernon played for my dad. My dad coached seven on seven football in Tampa. Uh, Vernon played for my dad, and I played with Vernon um, my senior year at University of Florida. His dad and my dad were good friends, so it was just, you know, it's a relationship there. And we were going on behalf of, you know, Eugene and his company to, this was a basically recruiting meeting with Vernon, because my dad had a good relationship with Vernon and his family. Um, and in this meeting was, you know, you talk about agents. Uh, Tory Dandy was there. Tory's now with CAA, you know, really killing it. Uh, just a few of his, I want to say he's DK Metcalf's agent, uh, A.J. Brown, uh, Debo Samuel, you know, he works He works with, with these guys. Uh, and, you know, just a very notable guy. Another one, Doug Henderson, worked with Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch for an example. And it's like, these were the people in this meeting. And then Eugene, I thought he was going to be there, but he was actually calling in on FaceTime because he had been at in their terms at that point was sick. All we knew was he was sick at something, you know, Wow. Uh, and then it just, I want to say maybe it was three to four months later, he had passed away. And so. In that time, one, it was just impactful to me going through what he was going through now, looking back at it, and he was still like dedicated to his craft, even just being on the FaceTime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that was one. And I would say just now what he's taught me just from again, you know, you didn't have to be around him all the time. But for me was the fact that he did things the right way. He wasn't trying to buy players. Like that's something very common, you know, in this field. Uh, he just really wanted to bring value and be a role model. Like what the, you know, Dion said in his caption when he had passed away was Eugene, you know, taught him how to be a dad, taught him how to be a brother, how to be a friend, you know, and it's just, that's the model right there. Like that's why I do what I do, you know? So that's what I would say, you know, just trying to bring some good value out here, you know, to these guys.
0: Yeah. And then seeing him, you know, kind of, there was kind of this trend or a lot of people talk about when they were younger, they didn't see a lot of players being represented by people of their color. And so seeing somebody who's, as Eugene is prominent and kind of a history maker and having those relationships with Deion Sanders and really Hall of Fame players, would you say that that gave you um, more confidence or did you feel more comfortable feeling like, if Eugene can do this, I can definitely do it?
1: Correct, yes. What? Because what we all need... Is to be able to see someone doing something that we want to do, and it just makes it real. You know, it makes it reality. That's why you know probably for you. That's why you wanted to come to the Asian Academy. Yeah. When we gain exposure, when you gain experience, when you gain just being in proximity, you know, and really seeing it being done, it's like okay, like that's really what it looks like. Because on the outside, you know, you can do it on the outside, looking in as an agent, it's like, okay, you think, like, there's a lot of perceptions, like, you got to wear this, you know, suit and tie, you got to have this big bank roll, you got to do all of these things, and, you know, there are some truths out there, but there's also just a lot of myths, I think, as well, and, you know, for me, it's like, this is my life, you know, I'm on the couch, you know, working as an agent, you know what I mean, so I'm able to teach a class, you know, on the Zoom, so it's like, you know, trying to you know, just present some truth out here, I would say. Yeah,
0: like you said, always having that person to, you know, look towards. Like, I kind of – and I think the importance of the agent Academy for anybody who's going to be interested, Um, like, seeing you. You know, it's a lot of things we learned that we didn't even know was a part of being an agent. You know, a lot of people talk about capital, how much is needed. We don't know. You know, how do you go about reaching out to these players and marketing and stuff? So I would definitely say having that person – especially somebody you can access. You know, it's a lot of people we look up to and we don't really know, we know what they're doing, but it's like, I'm never going to talk to you. Like Lee Steinberg, you know, what's the possibility of us being, you know, in a call every day or once a week with him and having literal conversations and being a part of his life. So I would definitely say that's a huge impact. Going back to, I mean, the history that was made, you know, majority of the first rounders mm-hmm. had black agents. What did that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of what do you think, why do you think that happened? You know, like if this is the first time this happened, what influenced these previous seasons or years? Do you think has had like brought us up to the point where majority have black agents?
1: Good question. So I think it starts with how is the system built to be an agent. That's how. So you have to start with there. How is the system built? So the system is built where you do have to have capital. One, like you have to have capital to be an agent. You know, I don't know why. The combine training process is how it is. Like I've never gone back to actually think like where did this come from, but it costs money. So that's one. The system is built on capital and connections. Someone that can have those two can be successful in this field if you have both of those, okay? Most people are lacking in one of those two. They're either lacking in capital needed or in the connections needed. What has happened in the past with, People, black people, that maybe want to be an agent. This is to, full transparency, to, to be an agent is you get put in this box where it's like you. We know you don't have the capital, but you have the connections. So we're gonna put a little bit of money in your pocket. You're gonna bring us the guys. We're gonna make the real money, but you know we're gonna give you uh, just this little you know payment upfront just to satisfy you so you continue to bring guys out. You know why? Because you know that's even if you look at you know for myself. Uh, I'll be very transparent. There was a coach when I was at Florida that said, he was, and I I, I I tell people this, you know, we were talking with other seniors and we we're talking about what life after football is going to look like. And I said, I wanted to be an agent. And he said, you'll never be more than anything than a runner. That's and ridiculous. That's, like he said that. And I'm like, <laughs> why? like, why would you say that? You know, but he did. And that's fine. Uh, and that's what a runner is. It's just someone that goes, recruits, brings a guy to an agent, but you don't you have, you know, it's no ownership. It's no, it's really just, you know, you're just the middleman. And that's what happens with a lot of, uh, just a lot of these people with a lot of these connections, these resources, but they don't have the capital. They don't have the, maybe the education. Just because, you know, when the NFL is different than the NBA now. The NFL, you got to have an undergrad, and a masters, or you have to have seven, be able to show that you have seven years of sales experience, you know? And so that's a lot more, you know, restrictive than, you know, a rich Paul can have happened within the NFL system, the way it is right now. You know, that's just the reality of the situation. And so I think that's why, but now what you are seeing is like you said, you know, maybe you you started with a a Eugene Parker, but you know, Eugene taught, uh, like, you know, a Tory Dandy, for instance, who's now, you know, doing whatever he's doing with, you know, at CAA. And then that becomes a, 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 an opening for David Muligella, you know, which becomes an opening for Nicole Lynn and an opening for Joshua Grady and an opening for Anaya, And then, you know, that's <laughs> how, that's really how it is, you know? Yeah. You you, you, you branch off. Like, that's even – you talk about Nicole. Like, one thing that I've been inflated from is I saw her at Senior Bowl in 2019. We talked for maybe, you know, none over time, maybe five minutes. And she just, she dropped a nugget. You know, we were just talking about uh, something in recruiting. And I just asked her a question. She dropped a nugget. Boom. And that's how it is. You know, just each one really being able and willing to teach, you know, and to pass it back. Because it's like, that's the thing I've been trying to tell people in this field. Like, it's over 250 guys that get drafted every year. Okay. Like, there's a lot. Of pieces to the pot, like there's a like again to be fully real. There's a lot of money that can be made in being an agency with as many athletes as there are, and it's like for me to not be able to help you get you one, you know, like yeah. come on, get you get you two, three, four. I don't hate, you know, because I'm gonna get my piece. This person you get yours, yeah. You know, like you can't sign everybody, so it's like I just. I don't be understanding. I don't know, but that's, that's to go back to your question, that's how it happens is, you know, people being able to teach and pass it back and then the resources as well as doing the same thing. You know, for me, I'm blessed because my dad is a big part of what we're doing and he's just saved the capital to allow me to do what I'm doing with my company, you know? So connections, capital, two main things. If you can get both of those, you can do this.
0: Okay. So connections and capitals those are the two nuggets that you're leaving the listeners with. And so with that being said, you know, you haven't personally landed a first round um draft pick yet. So uh what what would you say kind of you know, what's the process in getting there? You know, or how does that go especially when you see black agents solidifying these players like Nicole and David? Um, what's your process in getting there to the first round and being another part of history and being another agent that players are actually um, trusting kind of with their future?
1: I would say for us, like, what is with being an agent is, is to me, when especially when you're starting off by yourself, it's very progressive to where, excuse me, very progressive to where you start, like, typically what you're going to do, and this is how it was for We had a six-round pick. We're talking about, like, this is just straight philosophy. I was imagine, you know, we had a six-round pick first year. then We had a fifth-round pick. And we had a fifth-round pick, and we just had a seventh-round pick by two guys signed for agency. And what it does is now, okay, maybe your fifth-round pick has a – maybe Jordan has a thousand-yard season this year. And then maybe Byron gets five or six sacks with the Patriots. And then what that just does naturally is now when we get into these meetings with these first rounders, second rounders, whatever it might be, is it just gives you a little bit more credibility. And I think that's one thing I had to do early on, is you really as an agent have to put yourself if you were the player, and you're looking at your company, what would you think? You know, would I, and just be real because for us we can yes. think like. Like, I'm the best. I think I'm the best Asian out there. Like, <laughs> yeah. But you also have to be real and be like, if I was this person here, based on all the research and talking with them, would you end up signing with, what I end up signing with GSA, right? And are we at that point now? I think it would take a very unique individual that was like, look, I really want the, you know, intentional approach, such and such and such, which is not a very... Uh, common, you know, mindset that a lot of these first-rounders have. For a lot of them, they think, especially, oh, you know, I'm a first-round pick. I got to have a, a big production, you know, all of this, which is fine. Like, that's perfectly fine. Um, but I think we'll get there. I think what it's going to take is just kind of like we said, it's going to be somebody, I think, that we build a connection with while it's going to be – and this is – and it hasn't happened yet, so I guess we'll find out. But I think it's going to be someone either that's maybe from Tampa, someone that uh, maybe played for my dad, someone that maybe went to a school of a player that we already have. S- some sort of something of that nature because that's what it's been for before. All of the guys that we have signed have been based on previous relationships. yeah. From,
0: yeah,
1: whether they're from my high school, whether they're from a family friend, uh, whether someone referred them to me, like it's always been due to connections. Every single one of them, all nine, you know, so. I think it's going to happen. I don't know how, why that's 2021, 2022, but I think at some point soon, I think it's inevitable if we continue to do the right things. Yeah, definitely. Plus, you saw you one of these guys, that's a fifth round pick. They pop. It's up. Get, <laughs> it makes you look at it a little different, you know? Yeah.
0: I, I totally agree. So, you know, during the agent Academy, you always talked about, and you just said it here, how – a lot of the people that you have signed, it's always been a connection. You know, you always talk about emphasizing when you're going into a meeting with the player or whatever, trying to figure out what's the commonality between you or their family members. and So you can really build a relationship outside of just sitting down like, do I want to consider you as my agent? And so speaking on networking, my perspective when it comes to like majority of the first round picks having a black agent or one of them representing them, whether it's marketing or whatever, I think that it basically builds credibility for Black individuals to maybe get closer to the front office or ownership within, like, NFL teams. Um, so, you know, because my whole thing, I feel like the importance of players really being specific about who they choose and not just, like, the name of a company is really because, we're you know, who's Joshua Grady without the players that he's signing? So it's important for players to kind of provide. You can do what you can for them, but we can't get there unless we sign a player. So it's important for players to really provide agents with that opportunity and that platform to be at the NFL Combine and be in these places to actually talk and say, I'm representing and get closer to like ownership. Um. So what would you say, you know, in the NFL, there's been just kind of a lot of racial issues and a lot of racial problems. What do you say, do you think that, that'll have an effect on getting um black agents or black people closer to having a position with the ownership and what do you think that will take and you know what do you think that will take
1: so I think we are taking steps there for one uh I think that if, if to me to the model to follow is the NBA when it comes to sports in general for for the most part I would say not all issues And the NBA really has steered, you know, the way for certain things to, you know, happen. One of those things is, you know, that's been common is player empowerment, for example. You know, to be able to speak on the topics at hand, the NBA has led the way in that. You know, players from the NBA have led the way in regards to marketing ventures. They've led the way in regards to social, um, you know, matters. Like, that's the leap in regards to operating with the coronavirus. You know, the NBA is just, it's the best. They're like the
0: only league that just has it all together right now. It's so crazy to me.
1: The NBA, for however reason, is just the best. Like, somebody's got to be the best well ran, and that's them. You know, so for me, going back to what we're saying is, you know, when you see what the NBA is doing, right, and with these players and getting involved with these owners and, and agents getting involved with, whether it be the owners or the GMs and, is, you know, you look at a Rich Paul. You know, for me, that's one thing he has paved the way for. Is you know, when you see, like, he's tight now with GMs. He's doing the deals, you know, getting, getting the things done. And what that does is it does open up the door for a job, like, a, like you said, a Joshua Grady, because it's like, okay, like, it's for whatever reason. Now, one, this, whether you're black or white, to me, it should just be about, like, can you get the job done? Like, that's the reality. But it's also that's not the reality yeah you know but what it does for like a rich paul to be able to do that is people be like like one it's like oh like he you can't say nothing to me because look at him you know he's a tall agent in the nba you know what i mean like that's, that's the truth but what it also does to me more importantly is it inspires others you know inspires other young black men to be like and black women to be like okay like I can do that like that is a reality, you know that to me is where the power comes instead of being like, oh, okay, like i have to like you don't have to play basketball to be involved in the n b a s operations
0: not at all. I know a lot of people who've never played basketball before in in front offices, you know all type of stuff, just mm-hmm. because they know they understand the business like they they have a lot of credibility
1: correct, it's just so many yeah, that's a that's the reality, and that's why I like like the path that I'm on and try to illuminate to people is there really is just in the, there's so much opportunity out here. And if you really just bring value to the table, you know, you can really now, now where we are, like if you really do have certain things going for you, you really can do whatever you want. Now. Like that's one thing I really believe. Like if you have certain things that line up for you, you really can do anything. You know what I mean? And we've seen that, you know, there was a time where, uh, Oh, like we said, a, a black woman wouldn't have a first-round pick. It never would have been thought of. But now, you know, that's different. You know, so the opportunities at hand, for sure.
0: Yeah. And then touching on that with the opportunities and talk about the Rooney Rule. Um, mm. So what what are your thoughts on that? So for people listening, if you aren't aware, it's basically an NFL league policy that requires teams to interview ethnic minority candidates for coaching jobs initially and now the general manager job position. So they don't necessarily have to hire them, but they do have to interview them um, and kind of give them a chance to speak. So what, what are your thoughts on that and, um, so far?
1: Okay, so a few things to unpack regarding the Rooney Rule. One, the Rooney Rule, to call a spade a spade, is nothing more than, you know, a little Band-Aid on uh, just a bigger wound and they can oh that's
0: back. all it is yeah
1: that's it you know that like really if you like to break it down okay like on the surface it's like oh, okay like it sounds good you know every team was gonna they're gonna interview you know people of color minority uh you know in every search okay you know but when you come to like somebody I remember is one thing this is really what illuminated it to me is like the person I think this one might have been the Eagles, but that they interviewed was like, a for the head, now this was like a head coaching position, okay? They interviewed a former running back, okay? Had never coached before, had never, but they interviewed him to be the, like that was a the person they used to fulfill that requirement. Just to say they
0: interview him, yeah.
1: And it was just like, man, this is a joke. Like, it's a joke. One, and that's to me really like, again, this, I've realized it's just the truth of the matter is, this league is, in in its entirety, is driven by owners. And until some of this, the truth, until there, me and my wife talk about this, until ownership, maybe, you know, one day, maybe one day, uh, a Patrick Mahomes and a, uh, who else? in a, a Saquon and an Odell former group where they can buy a team one day with some other owners or something like that. And then... Maybe they are able to, you know, openly and willingly bring on, you know, these black or Hispanic because there's a Ron Rivera of whatever descent where it's like, look, if you can do it, do the job, do the job. But I think that's the reality is we're just so far removed from it really being merit-based. Like, that's the issue at hand is that when it comes to coaching in the NFL, it's not merit-based. It's not based on how good of a job are you doing. You know, the the offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs, not a head coach, black O.C., Not a head head coach, but you got some of these coaches out here that they don't know what they're doing. Just the truth. Like, you can watch it. You know what I (laughs) mean? But then it's even when you see, like, even what's been going on with the Redskins, or I guess that's not their their name anymore. The the Washington
0: Washington football football team. team, Yeah.
1: When you see some of the in-house issues that they are having, you know, sexual allegations and whatnot in the building, and it's just like, That's one thing I just realized early. You know, I could talk all day on it, but at the end of the day, you know, the reality is like most people, whether it's people that's hiring people, people that's scouting, it's not that many people that really are like tuned in and just trying to do what's best for the situation. A lot of people just want to do what's best for themselves out here. And that's why not that many people do good business. That's why we see certain hirings go on it's always in the best interest of self to me but that's why when you do see so many people out here that's really doing things the right way even certain organizations you know that do things the right way you know it's you appreciate them more you know but that rule pointless
0: pointless so if do you okay so you said it's pointless and it's a band-aid and i totally agree with you because like you said that's just saying like Oh, we interviewed them. Like, we can say we gave them opportunity, whether we chose or not. We just didn't feel like they were the best candidate, whether they were or not. So, like you said, it's pointless. So, would you just say to just take it away? Or if you could have done something, like, how would you adjust the rule differently?
1: So, I think when it comes to the rule, it's like, like, I would liken it to um, the speed limit. Okay, like the speed limit is a rule, like that's like it's a law. Like, this is you don't go over the speed limit, right? It's implemented, but I would say the rate of return of those that see the speed limit and that follow it probably less than five percent. I would say on just an average basis, you know, you can go interstate now. If the interstate's 50, if you go for like I drive as much as I can, I try to drive speed limit, you know, if the interstate's 50. I'm trying to go 50. You are gonna be like the slowest person on the road.
0: <laughs> you are.
1: You're gonna be the slowest one out there. You know, I'm always in the right lane. You're gonna be the slowest one out there. That's just the truth. And I, I look at the ruling rule, you know, the same way. It's like, the issue is like, you can put it in, but it's not doing anything. And I think the problem with it is because it is just a bandit over a bigger rule is there's just, like we talk about like what's going on in the country. There are just systematic things, you know, within the NFL itself that are not conducive towards black or Spanish or whatever background, non-white background being hired. You know, when you really do realize, like, there are hirings that are based on network, based on friend groups, based on whatever it might be. Even when looking at these owners, like, one thing my mom asked me, she was, I forget what team it was, but it was like, oh, what happens if this owner dies? she and I was like oh well someone in their family will now become you know owner of the team and it just passes like that That's and she crazy. was like she was like well what who can get rid of the owner and I was you know really nobody can get rid of not in the NFL like really nobody can get on get rid of the owner and she was like well what if they're terrible and did not like they own a team you know what I mean it's not now one like you, you talk about soccer Soccer, they'll get you about it. there. They'll protest for real. Like, they don't play <laughs> around. But here, it's like, it doesn't matter. You can be a terrible owner. that could be terrible. Everything. But you still get paid and you still got your, your, your seat at the table. And they're just, again, there's just root issues within how the system is built, within the NFL itself, within ownership, within, you know, coaching trees, everything that just, you have to uproot the entire NFL hiring system to be real, for it to get to that point where it was just strictly merit-based.
0: I agree. I think the analogy for the speed limit, that's an interesting way to look at it. Like, I've never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree. Backtracking a little bit, we talked about getting black players and black agents, you know, um, black players signing them. You actually um, represent a white player, Sterling. Do you think that it's harder to get white players to sign with you as a black agent?
1: Good question. So we actually represent two because we also Joey Magnifico is also white. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, so we have we have two. I would like a little background about both of them. So Sterling went to my high school actually. So Sterling, I was introduced to by my linebacker coach who put us in touch. And then Joey actually is uh, my college roommate's brother-in-law. So just you know, relationships on both ends. Uh I would say now that's a fair fair question for sure. Like I even asked my you know, my wife's white, I asked her. I said, you know, in recruiting, do you think that when I reach out to a white player, like they look at me like with any sort of, uh, I guess I would say almost discrimination? Like always oh, black, like what can he or whatever it might be like some, I don't know, you know, and I don't know. So, but these are thoughts that are in my head. Is like if I reach out to them, are they gonna be like always oh, black? Like that's not no no chance. Uh, like, and I will look, like, I, and again, transparency, like, I'll look, I'll go on the page and just see, like, dude, are they hanging out with any black people? Like, that's really something I will do, just try to paint a picture, like, again, just to be real. And it can be, like, different. Like, sometimes just while it's in conversation. Uh, you can sometimes, and I think, even make things up in your head where you, maybe you're talking with a parent and you don't think they are taking you seriously, but maybe they are, you don't know. I know I will say... And this could have been a fair question. Maybe it wasn't, but I had actually a player's, this was a player's girlfriend's mom that had asked me, you know, about where we get our finances from. And do we have the financials in, in order to, you know, ensure such and such, whatever. Now, maybe that was a proper question. I don't know, but a part of me took it as, oh, okay, well I'm young and black. So she thinks, and again, this could have been made up on my head, yeah. or it could also be true. I don't know but these are thoughts that definitely come across the table. Um, I think for sure, more than anything, and this is, I guess, a little different than your question. Two is, with a lot of these young black men, because they have not maybe seen another successful young black man, I think they can also have doubt on me because I am a young black man, to see like, oh, okay, because something that can be a common thought is, you know when it comes to business it i have to go with this white agent that comes in with the suit and tie with the suitcase he
0: looks more credible
1: he he just looks more credible and that's really it and then you know but i think we're getting to the point now to really kind of tie everything back in where a lot of these players are realizing that's not the case and even like with a sterling with the joey going back to the original question like them two don't care like Sterling, you know, I met I met Sterling one time, and like Sterling, did you, and you just said before, the, you know, before the show, you had listened to our episode with Sterling on the podcast. Little plug at Agent Talk. Low plug at like. Agent
0: Talk. Go listen.
1: Yeah, but you know, Sterling's very different than me. Like, but we have the same moral, same moral system, same belief system. But you know, he Sterling likes the golf. You know, Sterling Sterling likes going to the beach. Sterling likes you know just his, he likes country music. You know what I mean? is a little goofy. He's yeah. different, you know, but he's just good people. And that's really what it boils down to, you know what I mean? So regardless, you know, it don't matter to me what you look like. If you, if for us, if, cause that's, if, if you are a good person, like, let's do business. That's a, that's to me what it's really all about, you know? So, cause there's a lot of people out here that's not trying to do that on all sides, but.
0: Totally. I agree. It's just all about the quality of what you can provide moving forward. Like, you know, just handle business from there. What Talking about just the climate we're in with COVID, et cetera, what advice would you give to athletes in the process of choosing an agent right now and going to the next level, even if, you know, I mean, we can't, you know, try out with people in person. We can't see the doctor in person to check and make sure everything's okay, which may steer teams away from players just because they don't know everything Permanently. So, what advice would you give to athletes right now?
1: I would say to now collegiate athletes.
0: Collegiate athletes, yeah, trying to
1: collegiate bridge
0: that way into the to the NFL right now.
1: I would say if you're a collegiate athlete, so say you're a guy that I'm recruiting, for example, like if you're a draft, you know, someone that might you know ask for dream NFL draft aspirations. I would say right now, you know, we have a few guys even opting out. Like that's something that's been going on, but. You know, if you're a guy guy that's going to play with everything going on, for me, what you really want to do is take a look at this season and say, okay, every game that I play now, because the season might, we don't know how long the season going to be. It could be three games, it could be four, whatever it might be. I'll say, one, really take advantage of the season. Like, that's precedent. Like, to me, the reality is we're going to play now for how long, I don't know. But I'll say, for me, one, precedent has to be on the season because... If you even have ten games, you know the ACC. That's one thing that you know a lot of people maybe aren't aware of. And like the way they got the schedules now, where it's just you playing ACC games, no, no other quote unquote cupcake games or anything like that. It's just all in the conference. Like you got a lot of opportunity at hand. Like there's a lot of opportunity to really showcase yourself. When you talk about the state of the world, you know there's a lot more people that's going to be watching football. I think when it, with the MLB, I want to say the opening week of Major League Baseball this it was year was huge. It was the most watched week in baseball in nine years. Yes. And so it's like, people are going to be watching every game. Like, Even like
0: the WNBA, their numbers have like skyrocketed,
1: literally. People are at home. <laughs> you know, people are at home. People, want, people are bored. People miss sports. People want to watch. And so if you're a college guy, like to me, you're going to have the most eyes on you probably that you ever have because everybody's going to be watching. So that's one. Now, when it comes to the virus, I think, like, certain things do need to be taken into consideration. You know, at your school, because, again, we talked about Colorado State earlier. I won't get necessarily into that, but not taking the right protocols. But at your school, what are they doing? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like you're able to, you know, operate in a, in a manner that you feel to yourself like I'm good? You know, for a lot of these guys that I've talked with, they ready to go. You know, they are ready to go. They're ready to play because, for you know, for them, it's like, this is my way. Like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm playing no matter what. And then really from there, just on the branding side, we won't get too far into it. But, you know, in light of the world that we're in, you know, I, I talk about it, creating content, you know, where that's through pictures, videos, uh, you know, getting a day in the lifestyle thing. Like, that's one thing I would do. To me, like, this is a slight pluffer. If you are a college athlete now, like, the fact that I'm thinking about this now, this is something I'm going to introduce to some of my guys that we're recruiting. If I'm a college athlete right now, I am doing a like some sort of mini docu-series where it's just right on your iPhone, you record your experience playing with COVID, like during COVID. And just like someone, I think you said this to me, like buddy that, you know, went to the NBA bubble.
0: Yeah, Matisse Thibault. See? So much attention from it. Like so much. And he's only a rookie. That's what kills me even more. Like he's probably the most popular rookie right now than like, you know, up there with Ja and Zion like, just because of. A video you know just because of a
1: series just because of that now people know who I never heard of him but now I know who he is you know and so and I told George I was like look if he now this is up to the player like for him like this is not his agent doing all of this this is not somebody else like film do like he's doing this because he's like I want to do this and that's the thing where a lot of guys would fail I think is he's very intentional about it which you have to be But like I told like a George, you know, and again, you can do it on your iPhone. It's nothing over the top. You get it sent to an editor. You put something together, whatever it might be. But, you know, being a rookie in the NFL during COVID, like that in itself can be something where you're putting it out to the world. You're able to, and there's just so much more you can do. We talk about the brand and all that. You know, I won't get too far into that, but that's where my mind would be. If you're a college guy, I would document that time, like this whole year. Like I'll document this whole year. You know what I mean? So that's where my mind would be uh, just because there's a lot of potential in doing it.
0: I agree. Like we talked about Matisse is getting so much like attention from it and like interviews on GMA, like so many other places that he would have probably never had the opportunity to maybe as soon. Um, So I I just, and plus like COVID is going down in history books. Like people are going to look back on this who weren't a part of this, et cetera, and figure out like what was really happening during this time. Um. So I totally agree with that And just making content So all athletes listening Make sure you pick up these nuggets And really take them serious Seriously And one more thing We are gonna finish it out What was your idea About the Redskins Changing their name To the Washington football team Personally for me I don't think they tried I think it was just something They really put together And like It was just gonna be What it was gonna be
1: Okay So I think that I think they're going to come out with a name. I believe they're still coming out with a name. Uh, Now, I don't think you should have ever came out with that name. Like, the Washington football team is like, okay, like, to me, it was like, what was the purpose of that? What was the purpose of that? If that's not – because supposedly, I don't think, at least my understanding is that it's going to be changed to something. Now, so I think, for me, I would just skip that whole process of that and just, like – People still call. I still call them Washington Redskins because, like, what? It's just that's what. It's until you come out with a new name. So I think they will end up coming out with something. Now I don't know what, Um, but I guess we'll see. You know, to me, it's it's a thing where I think they're just trying to appease people at this point right now. Yeah, with you with the name to like even I like even if you're being real, I'd rather them hire a few uh, you know coaches that have our people of color then change the name of a team. You know, I'd rather them get more opportunities out here to those that don't have them than for them to, you know, just change the name of the team. Like, you know, that don't really do much to me at least, but I'm also not uh, from that tribe. So I guess I'm from a different point of view, but I do think, I guess in short, they're going to change it to something. What that is, I don't know. Um, But now there are some names that do sound good, like Red Tails. They say it's going to be Red something. I guess that might be corny. I don't know. But some of the names they got sound like it kind of be cool now, you know. So we'll see, I guess. I'm
0: totally with you talking about just like, you know, it's cool to change the name. And I mean, of course, change the name if you're offending other individuals, but also integrate... Integrate more, like you said, bringing people of color, minority into the coaching staff, into the front office, and not just in a diversity and inclusion position, like a real position where they're really going to make some change. So, I totally agree. Sure. So, thank you, Joshua, for coming on a podcast. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast with Joshua. If you are interested in being an agent, listen to the Agent Talk. Also, check into the Agent Academy, another one coming soon. We know when or
1: okay. So agent academy, I'm thinking this fall for sure. I'm thinking more so, uh, maybe start mid to late September. Uh, so yeah, if anybody interested uh, at agent grady underscore, hit me up, shoot me a DM. Uh, we'll chop it up. You know, we'll we'll see what we can put together. But and I appreciate this. This has been solid. I. I I think you're doing good work, you know, on a podcast. Keep it moving. Hey, you know. yeah. this what what you got? You got about over twenty episodes now, ain't it?
0: No, this is this is like eleven.
1: Eleven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's getting
0: up there. It's getting up there. Yeah.
1: That's what's <laughs> up though. A few yeah. more
0: weeks with. I will like be
1: those graphics you become with too.
0: Canva, Canva comes through. That's what you use, huh? Yes.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out, Kevin. Because you posted something, I think it was today, with, like, some of those, like, highlighter. The Wednesday, or...
0: Wednesday? Yeah. It's a new little, little series, little segment. You like that? I like <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay. Fun. But thank you, Joshua, for coming on. Thank you for everybody listening. Make sure um, you t- take a screenshot, put it on your social media if you're loving it, just so we can reach out to other people. But other than that, We out.
1: We out.